Hey guys, welcome back to the Design Build Podcast. I'm your host, Eli Tomlinson. I own Grizzly Mountain Construction. Here with my co-host, Brittany Grogan. And I have Hayless Design. Yeah, so we're here. We're going to talk about a few things that come with the process of bringing in a designer to the project, when to hire them, also a contractor, when to hire a contractor, the questions you should ask your designer and your contractor, um, just so that you can learn as you are you know, thinking about your next remodel, your home build, whatever it is, really the process and the questions that you should be asking when stepping into these relationships. Uh, because oftentimes you kind of just think of it as this person is providing a service when in actuality you're kind of stepping into a pretty loose, intimate uh, marriage with someone. Maybe <laughs> a really in, maybe dynamic intimate's not the right word. A dynamic a very relationship. Dynamic relationship. Um, um, and yeah, in that note, just as much as you need to qualify the people that you're going to hire, mm-hmm. um, we're also looking to qualify clients Absolutely. to make sure that that relationship is mm-hmm. as um, fruitful as possible. Mm-hmm. If you're going to use your intimate word, I'm going to use well, fruitful. Fru- that's fine. <laughs> I like intimacy. Okay. Yeah. On that note. No, not really. <laughs> um, starting with... I don't know. There's that podcast that has the unpopular opinions. We're going to call it Hot Takes. Hot Takes. Um, Hot Take. Your hot take on open shelves. Mm. Open shelving. I think they look pretty, but people don't realize how hard they are to keep clean. Mm -hmm. Um, And nothing quite looks like Joanna Gaines' Instagram or whoever. Um, I think open shelves are great for like a buffet or something around, sorry, not a buffet, but like, um, like built in shelving around a TV. Okay. I think that's great. I like open shelves there. I like being able to see books or puzzles or whatever it is there. It's generally things that you are leaving there more consistently. Sure. But open shelves in the kitchen, yeah. I think are specifically open shelves in a kitchen, I think are pretty, but nobody's dishes are all the exact same. If you have kids, you're buying dishes at different times because some break and they never sure. like they're all different paint color. Like it's just it never <laughs> looks the same. It the never looks like Ikea Instagram. Um, that being said, I have open shelves in my house mm-hmm. and they stay sort of okay, but for the most part, it just it looks cluttered. And I think probably open shelves for maybe someone that has a smaller family, like maybe it's like a husband, wife, and they're empty nesters or they, you know, maybe only have one kid right mm-hmm. now and they keep their plastic dishes in a drawer in the, you know, in the cupboard there. You know, it might be a little easier to kind of keep clean and tidy. But like I have five kids. And so oftentimes like we have we have three stacks of bowls and we never have <laughs> enough bowls. Um, and so it's like it just it's looks cluttered enough. because it's never as clean or as beautiful as Instagram makes it look. Yeah. I mean, I only have three kids. It's still mm-hmm. so many kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing is ever always put away. Like mm-hmm. something is always in a dishwasher or in mm-hmm. the process of the flow. Mm-hmm. So those shelves never look styled, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, that being said, I don't think I have designed a kitchen without at least open a shelves open somewhere shelves. Um, for a long time mm-hmm. now. I don't like upper cabinets. That's my mm. That's my hot take is... 
I don't like to use them. Mm-hmm. I don't like, I, th- I have one in my kitchen just for glassware, mm-hmm. but it's one of those that go all the way down to the countertop. So mm-hmm. it's like a column cabinet as opposed to an upper. So you'd rather just see wall. Yeah. Tile. Well, something. I'd have it pretty. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think that if open shelves are incorporated and what I've always told my clients is these are decorative. These mm-hmm. are not your functional. Mm-hmm. This is not functional storage. Yeah. This is where you're putting your, you know, plate mm-hmm. that you've inherited or a stack of things yeah. that is really meant to just sit there and look pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, or you pull every once in a while. Yeah. Just to clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I think that open shelves create um, little moments in your kitchen mm-hmm. that make your kitchen feel more like part of the house instead of this commercial space, mm-hmm. this production type space. Okay. But I don't, I don't use them for functional storage. I haven't designed them to be functional, functional. storage. Yeah, I think all. ours are because we have one shelf that is has plates, bowl like our big plates, our little plates, our bowls. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's on one shelf, right? And it just makes sense from the dishwasher to that shelf. You know, everything goes there. And then the next shelf up is cookbooks, um, which we, we hardly ever look at cookbooks anymore, but it's like cookbooks, a cutting board, and a plant. Yeah. You know, and then the one on the opposite side, we have like, we have some like snacks that we get into sometimes, like kids' goldfish. You know, my wife has a jar of chia seeds that. As you know, that we use for something. Um, Someday. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then the other shelf has plants or something on it. So I guess we kind of have a mixture of both. We yeah. have some that are decorative, and then we have a couple that one that we semi use and one that we use all the time. But yeah, I would just say I think probably the best place that I've seen them um, and still have a little bit of function uh, is like a Nook coffee bar. Is okay. probably where I've seen it the most. Um, I do have all my coffee mugs on an open shelf, there but you it's go. at the yeah. wet bar. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. And I did just do a, like a bistro kind of shelf at a dry bar for somebody. So it's got all of their wine glasses and mm-hmm. beverage fridges are below. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are functional. Mm-hmm. Like. Makes sense. They're using those, mm-hmm. that glassware mm-hmm. regularly. Yeah. But wine glasses are way prettier than my dinnerware that's true (laughs) yeah i mean everything all of our bowls have chips in them like it's this everything is children is almost broken it's always almost broken not Mm -hmm. broken enough to throw it away Mm -hmm. exactly so anyway there's your hot take (laughs) open shelves are kind of dumb but also have a purpose just don't use them for things Uh, that you like most (laughs) designy things Mm -hmm. it's not a rule Mm -hmm. there are no rules but yeah that's true but there are yeah, <laughs> there are. Uh, anyway, so let's talk about how when to hire and how yeah. to hire a designer. So for a designer, um, I think there's several kind of parameters that your project has to fit in mm-hmm. if you're going to bring a designer on. Okay. Um, and maybe this is designer specific. Mm-hmm. More so than more so than general rule. Okay. But um, typically, I want to be brought onto a project with um, with a significant scope. So that's okay. where I think that I'm adding value to the project as instead of just being an extra mm-hmm. expense tacked onto the project. What do you mean by significant scope? What does so, that look like? Um, I think any time that somebody's trying to like 
affect the exterior architecture of the house. Like I want okay. my house to look different. We mm -hmm. bought this place. It's um, a real boring, plain little ranch. And I want it to look like something special when we pull up. Mm -hmm. um, or anytime somebody's trying to affect the flow and the function of the inside of the house, like mm -hmm. something's not working, we never use mm -hmm. this space, we would like to kind of reconfigure all mm -hmm. of these things so that the footprint that we have becomes really functional. Mm -hmm. um, those to me are like significant scopes okay. compared to I want a cosmetic facelift in my kitchen. Um, okay. So I'm not saying that I would not want to be brought on to just a kitchen renovation project, mm -hmm. but it would definitely have to be a conversation of, you know, there's that bell curve of kind of diminishing returns mm -hmm. where the amount that you're going to pay me mm -hmm. probably shouldn't be equal to the entire scope of the project. Yeah. Like it needs to be significant enough that I'm that I'm adding to to the project instead of yeah. just a fun way to spend money. Yeah. Um, OK. Uh, so I hear that. Um so what if someone wants to bring you on and it's like, yeah, maybe it's a smaller scope. Maybe it is just a <coughs> kitchen mm -hmm. facelift, but you know, they really do want someone's help with fixtures and like what makes sense for, you know, new appliances and stuff like that. How would you approach that? Is that just something you're thinking like, okay, I would maybe use this person instead or is it, you know, I guess, yeah. Yeah. So designers work in several different ways. Mm -hmm. um, Typically, across the industry, the most common way that a designer will bill or charge a client is mm -hmm. hourly. Mm -hmm. um, so if I'm doing an entire project, that hourly rate is going to be different than if you're bringing me on to give my opinion for a few mm -hmm. things. Um, that's to discourage the people that want to bring you on to give your opinion for yeah. a few things, mm -hmm. but also because it's a much harder job. Um, yeah. And it kind of gets into the difference between a designer and a decorator as well. Okay. So a decorator is going to be somebody that's great with color, great with resources, um, mm -hmm. you know, really understands how to add aesthetic value to a space mm -hmm. where I think a designer's main focus is more of I need to get to know my client, get to know how they want to use the space, change the function, the flow, the layout, the space, all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um to really improve things from the structure out. Okay. So I would say on some of those, especially if your builder's great, mm -hmm. your builder has resources with people that design cabinets mm -hmm. for a living and have done, mm -hmm. you know, 10 times the number of kitchens that I do. Yeah. Um, so they can, they can maybe speak to yeah. how your kitchen should be set up mm -hmm. or vendors that, you know, have people in the showrooms that, that can help put those things together okay. um, where the cost for that service is already built into the expense of doing the sense. kitchen. Yeah. So again, that's where it's like, if the scope is there and the project is like, mm -hmm. if we're doing a significant kitchen remodel and we're bringing a range over from France, it's $50,000 mm -hmm. in and of itself. And you know, yeah, like, I hear you. Yeah, then, yeah. then yeah, it makes sense to have the designer that's really going through all of those details. Mm -hmm. But are there people with a great eye and a great sense of color that are already built into your project? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's where hiring the right contractor mm -hmm. is is really really critical because 
that person has a ton of those resources already. Yeah, and that's kind of what I found a little bit too is a lot of times people, and I know I talked about it last podcast where it's like, you know, I'm not your decorator, your designer, I'm your contractor. But the reality is I've done enough kitchens now, I've done enough things now. Mm -hmm. I do have a general idea of what works for a general populace, right? right? Yeah. Like I've seen this done enough times and it's been successful. Um, that I can understand why mm -hmm. this would work. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of, you know, and that that's, I guess that's always been the, the struggle with me is it's like, I don't really want to give them those ideas because if they suck, then <laughs> it's on me. Um, then I'm the guy they're mad but at. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm the one they're upset at. But at the same time, like, I also have to take into account, you know, Ideally, if you're hiring a contractor, you're hiring a, con hiring a contractor where this isn't their first kitchen remodel. <laughs> Ideally. Ideally, yes. right? I mean, and there's budgets. I mean, that's that's kind of where m sometimes money comes into play and all mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. you, you, you know, you're kind of bound, like, between what, kind of bound to what you can afford. Um, and sometimes the more experienced contractor or the more experienced contractor mm -hmm. should be more expensive than the contractor that is just starting out and maybe hasn't done a full kitchen remodel or whatnot. But that's a whole yeah. other, you know, a whole other piece that we can talk about. But I think just for me, like taking into account that I do have the experience, I do have the understanding of, you know, generally what flow works. And like, right. while this may be a standard width between your countertop and your island, Ideally, you want to go wider. Functional. It's not actually functional. Two yes. people can't work in the kitchen at the same time, mm -hmm. you know, if you meet whatever, you know, mm -hmm. the standard width is. So, yeah, I think that's kind of a good differ differentiator between a designer and a decorator. Um, right. I think sometimes the designer uh, is maybe a little overkill for the scope of the project. It can be. Mm -hmm. Where I would say maybe it would be helpful is let's say somebody's phasing a project where, mm -hmm. you know, they've just bought this house. Mm -hmm. This is going to be their forever home. Um, they want to start with the kitchen, but they want a long-term focus. They want everything to On be harmonious house. through the whole house. <coughs> they want, you know, their goal is to eventually change, like, the architectural aesthetic of the house, but this is where they can afford to start. That's where it would be super helpful to bring a designer in to mm -hmm. say, let's plan the project yeah. so that every decision that we're making incrementally is feeding that goal okay. instead of, you know, what you see if you're starting to look at real estate listings is the like, oh, they did the kitchen in 2010 <laughs> and then they yep. moved on to the master bathroom and mm -hmm. that was it's when this phase was, design. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, where it looks like a Pinterest mood board with just like this shotgun mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. okay. Or, or it was, it was, they remodeled the kitchen, sold it, someone else bought it, they remodeled the bathroom <laughs> sure. yes. to their design, you know, their taste. And yes. so it's kind of where you get some so of the. So the designer would be really helpful in, mm -hmm. in creating like this cohesive plan mm -hmm. that then, you know, if the budget's not there or the scope isn't there initially, there's mm -hmm. at least something to follow where everything mm -hmm. is building towards kind of this end goal. Yeah. Um, and that's what, I mean, that's really what the designer's job is, is mm -hmm. to not only help you like plan the end goal in the big picture, mm -hmm. but even then to help you come up with a way to phase the project mm -hmm. and come up with a way to prioritize your budget mm -hmm. with, okay, here's what you have. Here's what we should hit on to make mm -hmm. the most of, of yeah. what you've got. So that's a big one too. And so that's kind of the difference between the designer and the decorator is just the scope in which the project, the scope of the project 
is going to be different for the designer and the the decorator, right? The decorator is going to come in and help with, you know, making things look pretty, mm-hmm. whereas you're going to be helping with some of the, the the aesthetics, but it's also the flow and the functionality for the family or for the person that's having right. the remodel done. Yeah, I would say that a decorator is not going to help you with a interior remodel where we're moving walls mm-hmm. and we're putting the kitchen over here where the mm-hmm. bathroom was and we're switching this and we're changing this wing to the mat like the primary mm-hmm. suite I, I feel like that's outside of yeah. what a decorator is comfortable with um there's certainly overlap so it's a designation that gets really muddy yeah. um because while i can come in and help with paint colors i don't really even like doing that i don't even like painting my own house <laughs> i don't want to figure it out for my own place um okay so I guess when people are looking for a designer, you mentioned that you um, want to be brought into a project that has a larger scope. Um, and yeah. at what point of the project do you want to be brought in? Oh, like while it's a dream in your pretty little head. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. Still newborn babe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I If they're starting to be like this, uh, we don't use the formal dining room mm-hmm. at all. And it's just wasted square footage and we want to mm-hmm. reconfigure things. Or we just bought this house and there's no way two people can fit in this kitchen. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, kind of those as there's like this niggling, this isn't right. Yeah. This doesn't feel like it should. This doesn't function the way I want it to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I think that conversation with a designer, even as opposed to a contractor, is really, really helpful in okay. trying to diagnose mm-hmm. what's not working. Um, and come up with with a reasonable path forward. Um, so a lot of times I think the designer should be brought in before the contractor. Yeah. If it's the right designer, which mm-hmm. goes into how do you find, how the, do you right find the right designer? designer? I, I will just say real quick, I have been brought in on projects where they bring me in to look at their project and they're like, I want to change this. How would I do it? And I kind of go, uh, you tell me it's your house. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. I, I don't. I mean, we want to remove this wall or, you know, this this mm-hmm. dining room, we don't use it. What do we turn it into? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's you don't you don't bring me in for that. That's when you need to bring in yeah. someone else. And it really helps when somebody has given themselves some time in the space. Mm-hmm. Like best practice with a remodel is to live in the house for yeah. a little bit um, before you make any big decisions before you make any big decisions. Um, even things like. We didn't realize when we bought the house that the sun rises over here mm. and we would love to spend more time on this side, this side of the house. Mm. Um, so little things like there's so okay. much nuance yeah. to, um, you know, giving yourself some time in mm-hmm. the place. Like we have a house, uh, the house that we live in, and we bought it knowing that this was not going to work long term for all of our people. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But... I am who I am and my husband loves me for it. We bought the house and I immediately started drawing like mm-hmm. this is what I would change. This is what I would this is what I want to do. Yeah. Um, between when we bought it and when we did the remodel in the house, it was five years. Yeah. And I went through 27 different iterations mm-hmm. of what I wanted to do. And where we landed was like light years. Yeah. Um, so giving yourself enough time in the mm-hmm. space to see, like, what is worth doing? Mm-hmm. What do we want to do? 
do we even like these neighbors? I mean, yeah. <laughs> so many things that affect your long-term goals for your house. Yeah. Um, but also just knowing, oh, the, this is the way we actually live. Mm-hmm. This is what we need to make that work. What do you think is, is really critical? I mean, it doesn't have, you don't have to live in a space for, you know, two years to know that this isn't working. No. But it's like, if you have kids or even if you don't have kids and you're like, you've been in the house for six months and you keep running into the same thing over and over, it drives you nuts, whatever it is like, okay, that's like, you know that this isn't working and Mm -hmm. you need to do something else. It Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be, uh, you know, a two year process, but you do need to be in the space for a little bit, you know, see how your family functions around it and then make adjustments from there. Yeah. Which I think is it goes back to kind of what we talked about last week is, you know, you want to design a place that is functional for the entire family, not just what you see on Pinterest. Right. Yes. Not just yeah. not just taking this pretty thing on Pinterest and putting it in your home. But is that actual function actually functional? And is it going to help with the overall flow mm-hmm. of our family and make it a place that we want to be in or can be in all at once or whatever it is? Right. So I guess the biggest difference between when you would bring on a designer and when you would bring on a contractor Mm -hmm. is I love to be brought on at the planning stage Mm -hmm. when everything is still very much a possibility. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we're looking at how to best use the budget that exists. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's always a budget, even Mm -hmm. when the client says money is no object. Like that's not true. Um, (laughs) There's always a budget. How do we best use it? Yeah. Um, and I feel like, so I, I get a little like, why is that your plan? When people come to me with a fully developed, we want to knock this wall out. We want to enclose this space. We want to move this over here. I kind of want to, okay, let's take three steps back and mm-hmm. ask, why do you want to do that? Tell me what that's solving. Tell me what mm-hmm. your thought process is. I want to bring a plan to the contractor that says, we're going to knock this wall out. We're going to enclose oh, this space. We're going to move this over here. Yeah. Um, so also you already come with a budget too. <laughs> a loose. No, I yes. know. I understand it's loose and but but for me as a contractor when you come to me and you say, "Hey, this is the project. This is their general budget. Mm-hmm. Can you do this or what can we do with this or in this budget with this general idea?" makes my life. Yeah, here's the wish really list. Easy, We've prioritized the wish list. Mm-hmm. This is what needs to happen. Here's what mm-hmm. we'd like to happen put hard numbers to it and mm-hmm. let's make sure that, that yeah. we've got the client really, really happy with mm-hmm. what we're able to accomplish. Um, so that's like the biggest difference in when you would approach a designer mm-hmm. versus when you would approach a builder mm-hmm. is the plans are pretty conceptualized yeah. and hopefully the plans are not conceptualized at all. <laughs> well, um, and, and even with, with that, you've already built the trust. You've already like, they've already in their head started to process through like what things are going to cost and you've already walked them through the process. And realistically, a good designer or if they've worked with the same contractor for a long time mm-hmm. or worked with the same couple contracts for a long time, they have a general idea of what the contractor's costs or what they're going to charge for different things. Right. So you're going to be able to look at that and go like, okay, you have this giant remodel. Your budget is 300000 Unfortunately, that is not enough. Yeah. For what you want to do. Yeah. So we need to pare it down or we need to find more money. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. And that's really the the first few meetings we can mm-hmm. pretty easily suss out what's what's possible mm-hmm. for the money available. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's another thing when when you're hiring, um, 
both a designer and a contractor, I think that the general feeling is like, I don't want to tell people how much I have because they'll spend it all. Yeah. Um, that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like we're people that have budgets and have families and mm-hmm. live in this world as well. Mm-hmm. And we know that like the best thing we can give you is it didn't cost as much as you were exactly. expecting. Like that's oh, the goal always is to come that. in and say, we were able to do all this and there's money left over. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, mm-hmm. I need to know how much money you have, because again, if mm-hmm. your laundry list is four pages long and you're telling me you have a hundred thousand dollars to accomplish, you know, all of these all things, of these things, I'm just going to say like, it's, it's not even going to be a, a conversation. I'm going to get in my head. This person is so unrealistic. Mm-hmm. I don't want to continue this relationship mm-hmm. because this is going to be a continuous yeah. battle trying to convince you that things cost what they cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, that kind of speaks to that trust relationship. Yeah. But, you know, if I think you're delusional, I'm not getting into. Wow. I think that gets. <laughs> I think that gets into a whole other conversation of the type of cu- customers that we want to have. Like right. because because all but, yeah, it's a two way relationship, right? Exactly. It goes and that back to interview, what we talked about the that how to hire and who to look for, that's mm-hmm. a two way street. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not being asked questions yourselves, mm-hmm. um, to me that's a huge red flag. Mm-hmm. Like if your builder doesn't understand that mm-hmm. that they need to qualify their client. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's somebody that hasn't been around the block enough times. Yeah, if your uh, yeah if your builder is, uh, I I don't know how to say this. Um, if your builder is dependent on your job to survive, which in some sense they are, but if they're in a position where they can't say no to this job, then I would almost say that's sometimes a really scary position to be in as a client because you have a contractor that, um, yeah, it just maybe isn't as he may be really good at what he does uh, as far as like the building of the structure but there's a whole nother business piece that maybe the contractor is failing in. and so they're going to cut corners they may cut costs they may do things that may or may not be yeah so the that's best getting the client, into but. what types of questions to ask oh my gosh you're so good um so how and when you know kind of as soon as possible and mm-hmm. and really determine your idea of mm-hmm. whether that's a cosmetic quick upgrade mm-hmm. or whether we're looking at a big picture, I really want a cohesive yeah. overall thing. Um, so that should determine whether you go to a designer or to a contractor directly. Mm-hmm. Cause I think the right contractor can help you with a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Like I just can't stay on the side of this kitchen for another day. Mm-hmm. I need it to be new. Yeah. Um, so, but how to hire those people is a whole is a whole separate issue. Um, so, so what questions should, well, do we want to go with, yeah, let's go with customer to you, customer to designer, designer first. Okay. So what questions should a customer be asking a potential designer candidate, you know, to come onto their job? What things should they be looking for? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think the first question should be experience. Mm-hmm. That can be, um, a portfolio yeah. or references. Mm-hmm. So I want to know, have you done this type of work before? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how many remodels have you handled? How many additions have you done? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe not how many, but is this something that you have done? Yeah. Um, 
And then uh, references. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel like, especially if it's a cold call, yeah. which, again, I think I just mentioned, I have never, ever had mm-hmm. um, somebody out of the blue yeah. that yeah. is just, I saw you on the street and thought mm-hmm. you would help. Um, <laughs> so everybody that has come to me has had a frame of reference. Mm-hmm. So they've been referred by a contractor. They've been referred by somebody that I've worked for before. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's kind of that built-in level trust, of yeah. trust. And there's also, they've asked questions of, of the people mm-hmm. whose opinion really matters. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of built in, but I would, I would talk to people that have worked with that designer or contractor and that, that goes mm-hmm. for both. I, yeah. I would say that that's, um, those are questions I would ask a contractor too. Yeah. And is, I, have you done this? Um, or if you've done something similar, because there's so much and I overlap. Think that's what I was going to say is like a lot of times as a contractor, like I haven't done the exact thing that you are asking me to do, but I have done this and this is very similar. Right. Or um, like, yes, I have done that. I did it once four years ago for a specific customer, you know, that wanted this thing. It can be done and I have done it, but it's been four years, you know, or whatever it is. But I think, I think as a, customer looking at that and go like okay so he has done it he has experience i remember when i was first starting i hated that question sure because it's like well uh, and uh, and it comes with a caveat because every great person starts somewhere Mm -hmm. you know there's there's the reality that nobody has done everything Mm -hmm. that's just ridiculous Mm -hmm. um but have you handled things like this Mm -hmm. and and what i would be asking of a designer specifically is you know, um, if you're looking at a remodel is, have you been on construction sites? Mm. Have you worked with builders? Have you, you know, so not, have mm-hmm. you ever added on 23 feet mm-hmm. extension to it? <laughs> like, exactly. You know, not yeah. this, does this fit this box that I'm looking for, mm-hmm. but how familiar are you with the way this process goes? Mm-hmm. Um, because it is so mm-hmm. involved. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many steps. There's so many, there's mm-hmm. so many things to manage. There's so much overlap between who's responsible for what. So that would be the first question is just how comfortable are you with this type of this work? type of project? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Secondly, I, you know, I would take those references, call those references, talk yeah. to people, actually do something with the references, right? Not just mm-hmm. be impressed that there's a list that they mm-hmm. can hand you. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing that I what, would real oh. quick, what question would you ask those references? Um, how did the project go? Okay, I would did it end, mm-hmm. and you were happy mm-hmm. because I think that expecting a project to go, to go smoothly is is crazy, unreasonable. Yeah. Um, projects mm-hmm. don't, they're not linear. No, um, hiccups, bumps happen, but just like any type of relationship, how'd that person do when? The shit hit the fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, those are the those are the critical things, right? Is yeah. not was there conflict? It's how did it how did they handle it? Yeah. Um, so asking that of of those references, something had to have come up. Mm-hmm. How was it dealt with? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how much responsibility yeah. did the designer take? How much responsibility did the contractor take? Mm-hmm. How what was the resolution on that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then were you happy at the end of the project? Mm-hmm. So those are those are the things I think that. If somebody's giving you a list, they're giving you a list of people that 
they know we're happy with their work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, hopefully. So I think that can be a baseline assumption is mm-hmm. you were happy with the work that they did. Mm-hmm. But I think asking that question is of when things went wrong, how did that go typically? Mm-hmm. It would would be really illuminating. Yeah, okay. So that's what a customer should ask references is just references of what whoever they're hiring, what the potential mm-hmm. client should and ask. And I, I would also ask, which would be a question that I would ask of references and then I would ask of the person as well, mm-hmm. um, pricing and contracts. I would ask how transparent mm-hmm. pricing was. I would ask how mm-hmm. billing worked. I would ask the client that. Mm-hmm. And then I would ask that of either the contractor or the designer. I would want to know... Um, how much effort have you put into the back end of this? Mm-hmm. And again, that speaks to me. That speaks to how much of this have you done? Mm-hmm. Because anybody that's done this knows that the covering your covering your assets is really important. It is really important. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think just along like with the pricing and and stuff like that, it's always something that's really touchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's something that I think as a contractor, as a designer. Um, or even as a homeowner, you have to be willing to talk money. Um, yes. I mean, and, I, and I've had clients where they play it super close to the vest. Like, like you're like, hey, what's your budget? They're like, well, you need to give us your numbers. And it's like, okay, I can do that, and I'd love to do that for you. But do you have a general idea? Like, you know, and it's sometimes just pulling teeth to even get, like, a general number. Like, mm-hmm. nothing that you're sticking to. Um and I think it goes back to, well, if I tell them how much money I have, they're going to spend all the money. That's going to be It's the all bid. going to be theirs. Yeah. And it's like, that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes, a lot of time, oftentimes, um, you know, the project will come in cheaper. Or I've actually had a lot of projects come in cheaper than actually more expensive. And, yeah. that's, and that's part of me. And I tell the customers, like, hey, all of my bids, they're going to be like extreme high-end like if all the shit hits the fan, not just a little bit of it, <laughs> but if all of it hits at once, this is what it could cost. Right. And I think too, like builders, contractors, designers being transparent, whereas like designers, maybe you don't have as much of like the variance and, you know, uh, no. what it could, like what the worst case scenario is. The contractors may be carrying <laughs> a little bit more of that. The worst case scenario in my world mm-hmm the biggest variable is the client. Yeah. So the cost of my services is going to be directly related to how mm-hmm. much client management Required. I need yeah. to do, which is why I bill hourly as opposed to like a fixed per fee job. for, yeah. for the, for the job. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's so much variation in what each client mm-hmm. needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not that I'm incapable of doing the handholding, but I, it's not if I have free. to hold your hand, every, yeah, <laughs> eight hours a day for right, you know, a right. month. That's you're paying me for that. Yes. Um, so, um, I'm a nice person, but I also <laughs> want to be paid. But I also have other things mm-hmm. going on. Also, yeah. so well, and I, I, you know, I can just just going back to the just the pay transparency or the the transparency about money. Is sometimes it's hard, you know, as a contractor when I'm like bidding out, um, because I, I do two ways. Like I do fixed costs and I'll do cost mm-hmm. plus. Uh, mm-hmm. Just depends on the project. I've gone right. more towards cost plus now because it covers my butt a little bit more than the yeah. fixed cost. But smaller projects, I still know I can do fixed costs because 
mm-hmm. of just the experience I have with, you know, within mm-hmm. certain parameters, you know, but there's often times where it's like, you know, they see my, you know, my billable man hours, you know, is $150 an hour or whatever. Yeah. And they look at that and they go, I don't make $150 an hour. How come you're making $150 an hour? And it's like, well, if I was actually making $150 on you, that would be great. But I'm not because, you know, just like any employer, I have taxes. I have, you know, building maintenance. I have um, fuel. I have my guy. Like, you know, if I pay a guy, you know, 30 bucks an hour, it's costing me 48 Right. You know, 50 bucks an hour. And so it's just people are like $150 an hour. It's like, well, actually, I am only making $20 an hour. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> when it's just, we do it's the all math. those. Yeah. When you do the math, when you figure it out. And so I think some of it is just the transparency that, you know, I had one guy who's like, I was ship captain and I don't make that much. And I'm like, I'm a contractor and I don't make that much either. Um, <laughs> like, it looks like it. But yeah. So I think just the transparency of that and being able to talk to your customers about um, about money. And I found that when I send a bid that is expensive, you know, say uh, for generally what I, what I do, you know, 50 grand to 150 grand, Mm -hmm. like it's kind of a pretty common um, area. Yeah. You know, if I send a bid that's expensive, I always make sure to then go to that customer, either go to their house or set up a meeting or get on the phone with them and walk through that bid. That way they can, we can be transparent about the numbers. I can be transparent about the numbers mm-hmm. and say, yeah, this is the number, you know, we budgeted this many for man hours. This is what I'm hoping it'll actually cost and, you know, yeah. and even kind of break it down a little bit more for them if they have questions. And I think the biggest thing with that bidding process, pricing, um, and the transparency there and contracts and all of those things, um, I guess, would fall back to you know, that question, what happens when things go wrong? Mm -hmm. Um, So how is that priced? So Mm -hmm. the fixed contract, that's for the scope that's defined. Mm -hmm. That's not for the fact that we open up your walls and find that they were built with toothpicks Mm -hmm. or that termites have moved in or, you know, so, so even that has the disclaimer and those are the things that need to be talked about up Mm -hmm. front so that nobody feels like they're taken advantage Mm -hmm. of on the backside of the process because it's 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 going to be one of you, you know, yeah. either the builders taking it mm-hmm. or the homeowner is. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where if things are really discussed and those, you know, you go through the contract, you discuss what's included in the contract, what's not included in the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, you discuss kind of the contingency, which is where you're saying if everything goes wrong at the same time, mm-hmm. um, is there room for that? Mm-hmm. Or is do I need to have a contingency in reserve, which is where talking about money has to be something that everybody's really comfortable with yeah. because I need to know when the main line is iron and rusted and yeah, all needs exactly. to be replaced or blows in the middle of the project. And now mm-hmm. the basement's flooded. Mm-hmm. Does this mean that we're cutting the, the main bathroom mm-hmm. because there is no more money mm-hmm. period? Mm-hmm. Or does this mean that that contingency that we talked about is now brought into the project. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just need to know the project budget might be here, mm-hmm. but I need to know kind of your position overall. If so that goes wrong, if stuff goes wrong, stuff goes wrong, the options that I'm presenting to you are reasonable and make mm-hmm. sense. If I know that this is the money, there is, is no more money yeah. Then the project scope needs to be here mm-hmm. so that, so that we've got a contingency. If mm-hmm. it's, this is the money I'd love to spend this much, mm-hmm. but I've got all of this so mm-hmm. that 
I guess if we need a new septic yeah. system, yeah, that doesn't mean that we have to cancel the addition yeah. of the kid's playroom or whatever. Like yeah. these are all real life examples. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, um, absolutely. You know, that's where knowing where we're at, like playing mm-hmm. your cards close to the vest does not serve you. Doesn't help um, anyone. Because mm-hmm. because people can't make recommendations mm-hmm. if they don't know the full picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and the recommendations are never like how can I buy my own island with your money? The recommendations are, I want you to be happy. So Mm -hmm. at the end of the project, I want you to be happy. I want you to be delighted that number one, you've done this Mm -hmm. and that you've chosen me to help. Like those are the goals. And, and don't misunderstand this as like, we're not making any money. I am making money. Like as a contractor, I am making money Uh, as a designer. You are making money. We are making money off our clients. I just think sometimes, and I know it seems weird to even have to say it, but I think a lot of times just think that we're doing it as a charity. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is well, this is what it should cost. But you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna bear this extra couple thousand dollars here, and I'm just gonna cover that for you because I like you. Mm-hmm. And it's like we're still we're still a business. We're still trying to make money. There are still. 20, 30, sometimes 40% margins, depending on what's going on and mm-hmm. what has to be done for the project. Mm-hmm. So I think just, just having that conversation and being able to be trans, just going back to the transparency, it's like, yes, I am making money off you, but I'm not making nearly as much as maybe you think I am. Well, and I think just having that conversation. Word, of, that margin yeah. is not the money that I take and put in my pocket at the end of the exactly. day. That would be beautiful. Yeah. But that's not. Mm-hmm. That's not how any business works, yeah. and that's not how mine works. If I make a hundred grand on a project, I don't put a hundred grand in my right. bank account, right? So, um, I think that that's easier, or maybe this is just a belief that I have in my head, but I feel like that's easier when you're like building something. You know, mm-hmm. like you're putting together a tangible thing that you can touch. Mm-hmm. I have a harder time, or mm. people try to negotiate harder. When it's a creative, you know, mm. like I'm just paying you for your ideas. Are you sure yeah. they're worth that much money? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's like, well, thank you, but also, <laughs> um, it's it's harder to cut to negotiate from a position of, you know, like that's how much it costs. Like mm-hmm. if you want to adorn this thing mm-hmm. with gold or marble, mm-hmm. there's a cost to that, and that's mm-hmm. easier for people the to swallow. Cost. Yeah. Than you know, trying to compare myself to like gold and marble. Like yeah. my ideas are worth a lot because they're good ideas. Um, and they're better than somebody that's, you know, charging the bargain basement price. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that is stickier on my side of, that the, makes sense, for of sure. the thing. For um, sure. It's hard to sell an idea. It's hard to sell a, a conceptualized drawing than it is to sell them a thing. Right. Right. And it's harder to justify like that Mm -hmm. margin. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have a cost of business just like anybody. But, you know, when it's like a creative pursuit, Mm -hmm. that's not specific to designers. That's like all creative jobs. I think it's Mm -hmm. just harder to pay for someone's expertise when it's all very idea based. Yeah. Well, I think we can we can kind of step into now of like, I guess, how to find the contractor or I guess. When they're working with the designer, the designer, when do you bring the contractor in? So say they bring you in from conceptualization from mm-hmm. the very beginning. When then do you bring a contractor into the project? Um, should the client, I guess, 
ideally as a, uh, I'm going to say a good designer, but just as a designer in general, you generally have a contractor or two that are, that you have worked with or work with closely unless yes. you're just, yeah, unless you're just a, a one and done shop of design and then you hand it off to the customer and they go find their contractor. But that's less and less what that's is normal. That's less the work that I like to do, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's definitely the way that some designers work just with this mm-hmm. total a la carte service yeah. where I make all the selections, I pass this off to you, you can pick this up in three years or you can pick this up tomorrow and yeah. take this take on it to, a, to, take it to, your to somebody that can yeah. implement everything. Um So, yes, I have contractors that I work with and I have contractors that I prefer to work with just Mm -hmm. because that relationship, that dynamic functions Mm -hmm. well. Um, I have contractors that I won't work with ever again Mm -hmm. because that relationship is so difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, So and I know that I'm a little bit unique because I come from a construction background. Mm -hmm. So there can be a lot of stepping on toes. Um, Mm. I'm not a person that shies away from that in Mm -hmm. general. Uh, So if a contractor that I'm working with is like, we can't do that, I'm going to be like, yeah, you can. You can switch (laughs) this and load this over here. And that's a thing that that there is a school that's that's really hard Mm -hmm. for them to hear that. or maybe, and maybe Ooh. it's just me. Yeah. Like that's totally a possibility. I don't have to be everybody's cup of tea. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, but I, th- I think those too. relationships mm-hmm. are. Yeah, there's people that work and there's people that that don't. So I definitely have people that I work with that I work very very well mm-hmm. with. Um, well, I think in most cases contractors are used to being the end all, be all mm-hmm. reason for why something can or can't be done. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if your contractor says it can't be done, well, I mean, I believe him. He's a contractor. Mm-hmm. He does this every day. Yes. Like, but the reality is oftentimes, and what I tell customers is there's always a way. It just depends on how much money you have. Yes. And I'm going to bring, you know, my background and my experience and my my expertise to the table too. I am going to defer to the contractor. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, because it is your liability. Mm-hmm. It's your, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you absolutely. have to figure it out. You have to make it work. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's definitely, um, deference, but it, it, that relationship to where we can work on a solution together, mm-hmm. that that has to be possible, yeah. I guess. And that's not possible with some people, like some people that dynamic just doesn't, mm-hmm. that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so I think, interviewing those people in tandem is is really critical even though you would bring a designer on earlier having mm-hmm. a designer that either has contractors or having a contractor that has designers mm-hmm. um so that you know that relationship is one that's proven is one that you know is enjoyable mm-hmm. it, you know you can walk onto a job site and feel mm-hmm. like this isn't a fun place to be yeah oh yeah <laughs> for sure so um those are all factors, especially if it's a remodel and you're living in the home. Like, mm. to get that right, man. That's <laughs> like, it's the worst. It, it can it be. The worst. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But uh, but the reality is not most people don't have a second home to go to. No. You know, it's like yeah, and so you're just doing everything you can to keep some form of normalcy in their house it's without impossible. a kitchen. Yeah, it's like. Well, we're doing this remodel in December. I hope you have a barbecue and a garage that you can cook out of. Like, or, you know, or you're going to eat out a lot. It's so, so anyway. Um, so something I want to mention as far as like questions you should ask your contractor, because we've talked a little bit about designer or contracts and like how 
how they work with the designer, how the contractor works with the customer, what they Mm -hmm. did to handle problems. But kind of one of the key things, and ideally your designer is is working with a contractor that has all these things, but say you're finding a contractor, you know, sans designer, and, you know, you're maybe doing it backwards, or you have a designer that maybe did an a la carte thing, and now you're trying to find a contractor. Like, the bare minimum of things that you should find are one that is licensed. Okay. Good, good call. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying like they need to be licensed and in the state of Oregon where we are, re- contractors are required to study and take a test. It's not just, like I know some states, I know Idaho, you go in, you fill out a sheet of paper saying, I'm going to be a contractor. And you pay your fee you and you are it. a contractor. Um, granted, they have different scopes of what they can do. Yeah. But, you know, in the and state of Oregon, you are required to study and pass a test. And that can be all looked up online. Mm-hmm. You can look up the contractor. You can look up whether or not there's been any complaints about yes. the contractor to the contractor's yep. board. And you can verify that your contractor has a bonded insurance, mm-hmm. which that was, that was is the other the two things. <laughs> yep. Insurance and bonded. Uh-huh. Right. The insurance piece, that's going to cover you or the bond is going to cover you if the contractor really screws up or mm-hmm. something happens and, you know, there's going to be legal fees or there's maybe a, a pipe blue or something blue in the, the middle of your project. left the heater on and the house burned down. Yeah, they left the heater on. Or, like, I've <laughs> seen, like, the trim guy come through and he's putting in his trim into and a little penny nail right into your PEX line. And it just yeah. floods the end. So, like, there are things that can happen. And if your contractor is not licensed or insured, you are on the hook for it. Yes. Um, and conversely... In Oregon, there is no licensing required for designers. Yeah. Um, so that's weird. Other states are different mm-hmm. um, and require mm-hmm. different education levels and mm-hmm. different licensure. But so not in Oregon. So, so then asking on that, those questions. Yeah, as I say, then on that, it's even more important to ask your designer the right questions mm-hmm. because, unfortunately, anybody can call themselves a designer. Yes. Accurate. And so, and you I'm don't not, even have to fill out a piece of paper. Yeah, you don't, exactly. <laughs> There's no paperwork and nothing. You just have to create. I mean, if you're just a sole prop, you don't even have to really do much paperwork. Um, yeah. So maybe another question would be, um, you know, your references, all of those things, but kind of in line with asking about references is asking about people that you have worked with. Because mm-hmm. I have a network of subs that I mm-hmm. work with. Yeah. Even if it's an upholsterer or. Yeah. Um, you know, my tile guys are fabricators mm-hmm. or the guy that does custom metal work or the blacksmith or, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've, I've got people that I work with, which is important if you have cool things that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not in there painting your walls. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I don't have an anvil. I'm not <laughs> forging any metal. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, who are some people that you've worked with on projects exactly. or if you're looking at a portfolio like who fabricated those mirrors for you you mm-hmm. know asking um about your network of resources yeah. can help kind of prove your qualifications mm-hmm. in the absence of mm-hmm. licensure or or any you know real yeah. paperwork or educational requirement mm-hmm. um and that would be true of of, of a builder too Absolutely. like who is your who do you use for excavation who's who your do drywall you, guy yeah. is he good you know like but can I see? And that's another thing too. Is like, is not only getting references for the contractor, but even trying to get references. Like, if you're having an extensive amount of electrical work done, getting references for his electrician, mm-hmm. or you know, mm-hmm. like taking that step further to ask the right questions, because it's gonna, it's gonna be so much less of a headache 
if you go into the project and you have all of the information. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So this yeah. is one that's right now. I'm working on a on a primary bathroom, mm-hmm. um, and I am using a new fabricator for this project. So okay. this is something that um, new to me. For what material? Uh, slab fabrication. Okay. So I. Um, got references mm-hmm. from slab yards and from other designers mm-hmm. have heard great things. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is something that I brought to the client. Like this is new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a new fabricator. I want you to know that I want mm-hmm. total transparency about mm-hmm. these things, especially mm-hmm. if it's a vendor that, that I haven't personally worked with before, mm-hmm. but the fabrication is kind of, um, well, I'll try to get pictures so we can put those up, but it's yeah. going to be a slab arch like a cased arch oh okay yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so the slab has to do mm-hmm. the whole radius and bend mm-hmm. the whole thing and then a casing on the front mm-hmm. of the shower so the shower is fully enclosed yeah. it's gonna be so so it sounds really cool yeah it's yeah. gonna be good um but my normal fabricator was like i'm not doing that like <laughs> i do not want to do that it's <laughs> because they've got to make um, I think he calculated it's like 64 bevel cuts to do this yeah. arched opening and then it all has to be fabricated together and then it all has to be polished mm-hmm. out. And he's like, you know, my normal fabricator is like, it's going to look like chaos. And I'm like, nah, on Pinterest, it looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing it. They're doing I, I can find somebody, somebody that it. can do it. Yeah, so yeah. I had to go find a new fabricator that yeah. was like, and this guy's, I'm excited because he's like, mm-hmm. this is going to look sick. I'm like, Yep. <laughs> yep. Yes, it is. Well, I, I think that's another thing too is 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 having subs that are excited about their work. Yes. I think that's a really. I mean, I think like there's some things like drywall, but even drywall, even like finishing drywall, which is literally the worst thing in the world to me. Like there are people that love it, and those are the people that I want to hire because they're going to go in and you know they're going to do a good job. Just like this fabricator yeah. that's excited about fabricating this specific thing. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really important. Tile. I really like tile. Some of my guys hate tile. Mm-hmm. I love tile. When someone comes to me with a cool idea, I'm like, yes, let's figure out how to do this because mm-hmm. that sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's just finding someone that's not only good at their job but like gets excited about seeing new things or trying new things or is open to trying new mm-hmm. things because a lot of times you get people like and I think it's more so in like some of the more common trades like electrician or plumber like they have a very strict they're bound by some pretty high standards of what they can do right but I think finding someone that's willing to be like okay I don't know Mm-hmm. If I can do this, but let me figure it out because it sounds really cool. Let's mm-hmm. see if we can do it. But even that is, you know, like I work with an electrician and she's fantastic. Um, Did you just say she? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. She's like the coolest lady boss in the world. Yeah. Um, I want to be her when I grow up. I don't even think she's older than me, but um, <laughs> she's she's so cool because. You know, she's got her things that mm-hmm. she does and mm-hmm. that she knows how to do. And I will bring her the thing that I found mm-hmm. on Instagram or mm-hmm. Pinterest. And like, so this is a product. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, like this crazy bathroom, we're doing a whole slab backsplash as well. Mm-hmm. And so all the outlets we're running have to be in the slab because mm-hmm. there's no they other place. For, yeah, so they're going to be flush and faux painted mm-hmm. so that they just die and, and mm-hmm. hide. Um, but the slab's a three CM slab. I mm-hmm. can't mill it. It's going to be a beast. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, found this product, um, brought it to her. It's new to her. Yeah. She's not done anything <clears throat> like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's 
just as exciting. I mean, about outlets. Like these, yeah. these are the people you want on your job. Yeah. Like these outlets are going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. If it works like this, I'm going to order one in and do some dry runs and see, yeah. you know, like, yes. Yeah, that's great. Um, Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but those are the things that are going to make this bathroom absolutely spectacular instead mm-hmm. of having like the white outlet ruin your yeah. million dollar slab. Um, questions that I hate as a builder adjacent person is price mm. per square foot. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. It's just not a good it's metric. Just, yeah, We're nope. not selling real estate. And if um, your builder is giving you a price per square foot. They're lying. Yeah, they're lying. <laughs> or it's, it, sometimes this is what I'll say is sometimes I will look at a project and they're like, I just need a general estimate. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I can give you a general estimate. But I have in there, like, this is not, like, the final number. Well, and the reality, like, depending on what you want, mm-hmm. you know, if you want these flush outlets in your slab backsplash with your arched shower opening, oh my you know, that's a Sounds variable so cool. of $100,000, yeah. like, on, on a on a bathroom, mm-hmm. you know, th- that's real. Mm-hmm. Um, so so these, this isn't a blanket. Yeah. We can't just rough estimate mm-hmm. your little dreams and hopes because mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. It's not that quite how yet. it works. Yeah. Um so I would be like red flags about um getting a real firm price per square foot unless I guess unless you're like building a new house with a dare or something like they've got that mm. down to a science. Yeah. That's um, different. They're they're building cha- you know track <laughs> homes. They're not track homes, but yeah. But yeah, set plans. Um mm-hmm. I would be really cautious about um, a contract that's not well-defined. Like, Mm -hmm. we will build you a second story above your garage. Again, this is like real scenario that a friend said, I worked with a builder, he gave me this thing, he's going to add a second story above my garage, Mm -hmm. and here's the bid. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that number does not make sense at all. Yeah. Um, You know, but then, like, let's look through the contract and see if you just got the deal of a century or if mm-hmm. you're going to end up, yeah, you know, up a Creek and you know, the contract was, we'll add a second floor. <laughs> and it was like, but, but how, mm-hmm. like you need somebody that's going to look at your footings. You need somebody mm-hmm. that's going to, you know, you're yeah. going to have to have a huge amount of structural support. There's no engineering been mm-hmm. that's been done. There's not a plan set attached to this. Like, you cannot take this number to the bank because nothing has been defined mm-hmm. on how they're going to give you how this. How are they actually going to put that second story on? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that needs to be that needs to be really, really clear. Mm-hmm. Um, the type of work that is included and the type of work that's not included. Again, I mm. think if you're handed something that doesn't have, I am not doing this. I am not doing this. This doesn't account for this. That's mm-hmm. that a, that's a red next, flag too. My other point. Oh, um, good. Is Ask your contractor what things he's going to be doing and what things he's going to be subbing out. So we kind of talked this a little bit, oh, but like, yeah. what are your contractor's proficiencies and what are they're like, no, I'm not good at this. Yeah. And they have good people that they're going to bring in. And that mm-hmm. goes back to a little bit to the sub conversation is having good subcontractors that know that they know and trust and actually like what they're doing. Sure. I mean, no matter who your contractor is mm-hmm. and how great they are, mm-hmm. they're not going to be faster and better than like a drywall. Contractor. Exactly. Like those guys so do fast. it all day long. Oh, and my gosh. So fast. Yeah. Um, 
or like your contractor driving to Home Depot to buy mm-hmm. a pallet of bat insulation mm-hmm. is not going to be faster than the guys rolling up with their truck. Like mm-hmm. exactly. there's just certain things that it doesn't make sense for your contractor mm-hmm. to do. Don't expect it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I for sure want a contractor that n- knows the trades, mm-hmm. even if it's just from a purely logistical standpoint, like he's not doing mm-hmm. any of that work himself, yeah. but knowing how to do all those trades mm-hmm. is going to help sequence the project and make the project run smooth. Absolutely. Asking them what they're taking care of. And mm-hmm. then I guess that also goes right back to finding two people that can work together as far as a contractor and a designer mm-hmm. asking what the contractor is responsible for and the designer if both people are on the project, yeah. that needs to be that yeah. needs to be pretty clearly defined. Um, what materials is the contractor providing versus what materials is the designer providing? Mm-hmm. Um, how often is the designer going to be on site? Yeah. Uh, what walkthroughs is the designer going to yeah. be present at? Well, I think there's like the how to qualify and find somebody mm-hmm. is a different conversation than how is the project going to run? Mm-hmm. And you can ask that kind of general thing but typically for me like if I'm qualifying a client or there's an initial inquiry those are big picture things once we determine yes we're going to be working together Mm -hmm. that's when I lay out like here's when you're allowed to text me please Mm. not on the weekend you know like all of those things here's how you'll be updated about your job Mm -hmm. and those can be big picture conversations Mm because you do want somebody that that can provide you with regular updates and that understands that's important um what if know get to know your contractor's team or ask who is on your contractor's team, not just your contractor, not just their subs, but like who is who on his team is project manager, you know, the guys that are going to be on your property day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Ask him about those guys. Enter if a contractor is like, yeah, I've got, you know, Billy Bob and I'm looking for another guy right now to kind of fill in because our other guy is back in prison which isn't an uncommon story in the land of construction, Um, you know, but finding a contractor that actually hires good people. Um, And I know that that's, I know that that's a thing that is somewhat subjective, right? Right. What I think is good and what you think is good is going to be different. But a contractor that's willing to highlight his employees or bring someone on site and say, Hey, this is, you know, this is John. He's been with me for five years. You know, these are his experience. His ex- this is his expertise. Mm-hmm. This is what he's good at. Um, he's going to be your main point of contact for Grizzly Mountain Construction while we run your project. Yeah. I will be in and out, but he's going to be your day-to-day contact. Right. And just kind of setting for- setting forth just some of the standards on who they're going to contact about different things, and and really also identifying the roles of the different people within the construction companies. Con- uh, within the construction company, right? Sure. Because I may yeah. not be on the job site every day, right? But he's going to be on the job site every day, and you need to learn to know and trust him. Mm-hmm. And so, even like I've had people ask me, they're like, "Are you going to be here?" And it's like, "Well, I may be here, but the person you're really going to want to meet is Pepper." Mm-hmm. And then I go into like I praise Pepper as much <laughs> as I can. Like yeah. he's a really good guy, but it's also like I want to not oversell him, but I want to sell him to the customer. Because he's the one that's going to be interacting with them every day. And, like, so far I haven't had anyone tell me they hate Pepper. Mm-hmm. You know, but but I think it's just one of those things where, like, as a contractor, you need to be, um, you need to be hiring people that you're going to want in your own house. Because no, they're going to be in someone else's house. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And I think even along those lines, like, you can get even deeper. It's like asking the right questions of the contractor. So, like, something I learned 
in the beginning was just being aware, like when you walk into the house for the first time to meet the customer or whatever, like just take into account like, okay, are there toys on the ground? Okay, cool. They have kids. How old are their kids? Mm -hmm. Do their kids still take naps? Do we need to be aware of when they take naps? That way we're not ruining the entire life cycle of this family. Yeah. And so asking like, hey, you know, when do your kids take a nap? Okay, they take a nap from one to two. Great. We're going to go to lunch at that time. Mm -hmm. That way you can have some peace and quiet while, you know. Well, and just just, like to that point, I um, just reminded me because I just did a bathroom at my own house. Mm -hmm. And so I've got my plumber that's a great friend, like been to his house. Mm -hmm. His kids are in school with mine, you Mm know. Um, I know this guy. Mm -hmm. And he was just supposed to come in and fix the valve. He didn't, there was a valve stop. Anyways, um, I was at the grocery store and he called and was like, hey, I told you I was going to stop by this afternoon, but you're not home. And I was like, my daughter is, she can let you in. He's like, that's a hard stop for me. I'm not in the house Mm -hmm. with people's kids. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, it was frustrating because I'm like, Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want this done. Yeah. But at I, you know, after I got over, like, okay, we'll reschedule. Um, I was so glad. Like, yeah. uh, this is somebody mm-hmm. one thousand mm-hmm. percent I will send to people like somebody that's aware enough to have a hard stop with yeah. like not doing it. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it to me. It's not worth it to mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. at all, you know, and just that awareness yeah. of um I mean, it's okay, a really big these deal. are people that I want to work with forever mm-hmm. because that's invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, yeah. And that's kind of, I mean, that's a great example of, of a good contractor, a good sub. I mean, I think someone that has those standards and is willing to say like, okay, like, yeah, making the money today is not the most important thing. Putting myself and keeping your family, you know, in a safe position is more important to me than, you know, the $300 I'm going to make changing out the valve or whatever it is. I mean, I'm a crazy overbearing, conservative, Mm -hmm. paranoid parent. Mm -hmm. It was not something that had even popped up because Mm -hmm. like I said, I, I know this guy so well, I didn't even think that it would be an issue, Mm -hmm. but I, and I so appreciated that he was like, nope, that's Mm -hmm. where we'll reschedule. Mm -hmm. So it, yeah, that's cool. cool. That is really cool. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that you had on your list of things that you wanted? I mean, I know I think there was more that we wanted to talk about, but we may just run out of time today. No, but like big recap mm-hmm. would be, you know, first question would be kind of references, mm-hmm. um, both people that you've worked with mm-hmm. as in terms of subs and kind of your network and mm-hmm. people that you have worked for yeah. clients and actually use those references, call those people. Mm-hmm. Um, next thing would be ask questions about Pricing and contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, how developed are those? Yeah. And is there open? Is there complete transparency? Or what's mm-hmm. the yeah? How what is the pricing structure? Mm-hmm. How does that work? Is it a cost plus model? Is mm-hmm. it a fixed price model? Mm-hmm. What would you recommend for a project of this kind mm-hmm. of size and scope? Which um, we can go into those different models yeah, in a different well, podcast. We can talk but. about pricing and money. Mm-hmm. Um, but asking that conversation up front, and mm-hmm. I. Yeah, I think the red flags to look for would be somebody that doesn't have that. That's just kind of like, I'm a handshake friend. Mm, like, yeah. no, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> or something that like, well, I haven't really thought about that. Mm. Maybe, maybe yeah. keep calling people. Um, yeah. And then asking if it's the designer that's the first contact, if it's the 
builder that's the first contact, mm-hmm. asking who's a builder that you work with, who's a designer that yeah. you work with, um, and how are those relationships, you know, yeah. how, how does that look? How does that work? Mm-hmm. Um, those are really huge red flags to look out for would be, again, the like really loose, fast and loose with pricing. Mm-hmm. Um not, square footage. Yep, not insured. Per square foot <laughs> price licensing. <laughs> which, uh, yes. yeah, which I mean. It's something that I gloss over because I don't have to be licensed. No. But well, and yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times I've I've gone into the job as the second contractor. The first guy didn't have a license, didn't have a contract. Oh, he went in, boy. did a bunch of work for the client, and it was crap, right? Mm-hmm. It needed to be fixed. Mm-hmm. But they had no repercussion because it wasn't licensed. there's nobody holding him accountable. There was no contract written, like. Yeah. It was just, I There's give you money and one mm-hmm. um, that you should be aware of if you're considering a remodel is like Oregon lien laws mm-hmm. and and making sure your contractors filing those yep. right to liens and the subs are filing those. That's just giving you even more assurance that the mm-hmm. business end of their company mm-hmm. is on the up and up. Yep. It doesn't mean that, you know, those are not documents to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. It just means that somebody's taking care of the business side mm-hmm. of the business, which is a really reassuring, yeah, really reassuring thing. Yeah. Uh, I did think of one more and we'll just talk about it real quick, but permitting, oh, you yeah. need a contractor <laughs> that's going to pull permits. Um, yes. You know, I, I guess I can say when I was young and dumb, I did a job that I didn't pull permits for and it took me three year, two years basically to clear everything up with that, that job to fix that. Um, it's something I will never do again, and I suggest that you don't ing- don't get into bed with a contractor that's afraid to pull permits. No, because the reality is the county, you know, whatever your permitting agency is, whether it be the city, the county, the state, um, generally speaking, they're there to help you. And if the contractor is afraid to even walk in and get help from the county, like there's so many times where I've gone to the county where I have questions about how do I do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 99% of the time, they're going to be like, oh, this is how you do it. Or like, I don't know. Let me help you. Like the county yeah. is not there just to take your money and, you know, require you these permits so that you can build an addition on your home. And they just want to have their hand in your pocket, right? Hand in your wallet. There's like a small percentage There's of a small me percentage. that believes that that's true. But <laughs> but the reality is like as I've gotten to know the people of the county, no, like, they're all good people. We like, are in a place where yeah. we can say really confidently mm-hmm. this building department is so helpful mm-hmm. and um so easy to work with yes and unfortunately i work in other places mm-hmm. and that it's not that is not true yeah um where it is just a big pain in the butt mm-hmm. but like most systems and processes it exists mm-hmm. for a reason mm-hmm. um and going without is never wise even no. if it's a pain in the i mean mm-hmm. even if it's an awful Mm-hmm. The system and the people are terrible. And the, the reality is, like, the permit cost is so small yes. compared to the grand scheme of the project. Like, right. you're talking, like, on a very expensive project in the county that we're in, on a very expensive project, like, maybe, I don't think I, I've ever paid fees more than, like, two grand. Yeah. And that's, that's plumbing, electrical, and structural, and that's, HVAC. And we're low, like, like we're I know statistically we're low. No, safe. I, I'm really low. But, we are low, but um, I'm just saying, like, yeah, on a hundred and fifty thousand dollar project, a hundred thousand dollar project, a tiny percent, two grand is nothing. I mean, no. yeah. And the benefit that that gives you, it just means that if and when you go to sell your house, mm-hmm. everything is on the up and up every, because yeah. perm, work that is not permitted will bite you in the yep. ass later. 
1,000%. Oh, cool. You added a bedroom? We can't actually count that as square footage mm-hmm. when you go to list this house. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Or you buy a house that's mm-hmm. a four-bedroom, and you want to just just make something pretty, mm-hmm. and we go to pull permits to waterproof your shower pan, and now we have to replace your septic system because... You have four bedrooms and it was never permitted oh. and your septic system isn't in You compliance. speak from experience on that one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we ended up, I mean, never mind. Maybe I shouldn't wrap myself out. So, yeah, permits are a big deal. So just they seem like a small thing, but they really can bite you in the butt. And mm-hmm. it's just a small a small fee that comes with the cost of construction. Well, and, and like you work. said, it speaks more to the legitimacy of the contractor mm-hmm. than the hoop that you need to jump through yeah. legally. Like. Just somebody's attitude about permits mm-hmm. says mm-hmm. a lot about mm-hmm. the quality of work that they've been doing. Yeah. Probably. Probably. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Do you got anything else? Not for today. Not for today, yeah. Um, so if you're watching this and you want to know more or you have questions, um, you know, you can post your questions directly into the comments mm-hmm. of Instagram or uh, wherever you're seeing this content on Spotify or Pandora or who are the other podcast Apple Podcasts, um, you know, leave a com- comment. Let us know any questions you have about just the building process or the design process and kind of yeah anything that you think you want to answer because we're going to try and slot some time at the end of each podcast or the, I don't know we're mm-hmm. going to slot some time somewhere to answer questions. We would love yeah to know the things that you want to know about. We can obviously talk forever about anything mm-hmm. um but yeah. things that are pressing that are real issues are real mm-hmm. questions are real concerns or mm-hmm. um emergencies even yeah. like how or do i fix this yeah or if you have design ideas and you're like is this a good idea you know we Here's can even where you don't have to pay yeah exactly you don't have to pay <laughs> you don't have to pay for our unsolicited for uh, our solicited advice anyway yeah All right. Well, thanks, guys, for watching i appreciate it uh if you guys have any questions be sure to leave them in the comments like subscribe Give us five stars. High five. (laughs) Anyway, we'll see you guys next time. Bye.